I, I just think it's just dynamite. I wonder why we're so taken with David. You know, I think the reason is we see glimpses of ourselves and that guy. We can identify with his highs and we can identify with his lows. And we can see how God's grace toward an imperfect being of whom it can still be said he had a heart after God. We, we watched David take off on his own path when he knew from experience that God's ways are higher. God's ways are better. But all in all, we go back to that David had a heart after God. I love that statement. He longed to be right with him. David could have said with Paul the thing that I think that you and I can say with Paul too, shaking our heads with aggravation ourselves. The things I want to do, I don't. And the things that I don't want to do, golly, that's the very same thing that I end up doing. And woe is me. And it happens over and over, doesn't it? I'm guessing that there's not a woman in here who has not at one time or another thought, I wish I could just go back and do that over. I would do it so doggone different if I could just go back and do it over. If we could go back and fix an incident, or sometimes if we could go back to a whole season of our life and change the whole season, we think, if I had a do-over, I would not make that same mistake again. But here's the truth. We can't. We can't go back. We can't fix it. We can't change it. We can't do a do-over. But, girlfriends, here's what we have. We've got to wash away. We've got to wash away. David knew how to do a wash away. And if you don't know, go home and read Psalm 51. Just pray that to the Lord. He'll, he'll, it'll tell you how. Oh, God, purge me with hyssop. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Take away the awful stain of my transgression. David would get a wash away. So what is to be the result of a wash away when we get that in our life? You know, we're miserable in our sin, first of all, if we do it right. We're miserable in that. And we cry out to God, and he in his grace comes and makes us as white as the driven snow. Well, what then? Do you ever wonder if God will give us a second chance after we have failed so miserably? You ever get to wondering that, God, what use can I possibly be to you? You know me. You know who I am. And then we need a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. And we go on and on and on. How far will grace go? Just how far will it go? And as we hungrily study David, watching his ups and downs, this roller coaster of his life, we're waiting to see the final outcome for him. You know, you are so familiar with Peter's fall. We use that example over and over. But think about this. He had just proudly announced to Jesus and to the disciples that he was Jesus' most reliable disciple. He's there with the 11, the other 11, and he says, Jesus, though others forsake you, I never will. You hear the break in that? I never will. And then not only did he forsake Jesus, he wasn't with him. He blatantly denied he even knew Jesus. And afterwards, what happened? He went out and he wept and he wept and he wept so bitterly. And I know that man thought, well, that's it for me. I'll never be used by him because I have done the ultimate evil. I have denied him. Surely God was through with the likes of Peter. But yes, in his grace, 
would you just feel this? Feel what Peter felt. The angel gave the women at the tomb special instructions, and the angel said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And I bet when Peter heard that, he said, what, what did the angel say? Your name. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. And I wonder if he hung on that and thought, what if? What if there's still a chance for me? And then on the shore of the lake, there Jesus shows up, and he says, hey, Peter, come here. And he takes him away from the other disciples, just the two of them. And he looks in his eyes and says, Peter, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you love me? And Peter, I bet he couldn't even look at him with a shame. You know I love you, Lord. Lord wasn't satisfied. Of course, he said, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Feed your sheep, really? Really? And finally, do you really, really love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, I really love you. Then feed my lambs. Do you understand what was happening there? He was putting him back in the field. That's what he does with you and I. And it's so important that we understand that. With each confession, there was a commitment. And we know that account so well, but let's look a little deeper and see how far does God's grace extend. Okay, it's Pentecost. Not one person in that upper room understand what was going to happen. You know what they were doing up there? They were hiding. They were hiding. But the fire of the Holy Spirit came down and blew that group of shaky believers away. And here was this heavy wind that came through and the roaring and the fire. And they did not stay upstairs scared. They came down and they got into the crowd and they began to speak and tell everyone in all different languages the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then suddenly, suddenly out of the crowd, one rises up and everybody stops to listen. And who was this God's primary spokesman? Who was that? Peter. Peter with the feet of clay stood up in the power of God as he spoke. 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. That's what God can do with a betrayer. Are you getting this? There is nothing that he will not forgive you of when you come to him. He died for it. He has it. He wants to offer it to you and to put you back in the field. And you say, well, why did God choose Peter? Why did he choose David? I, I don't know, but from my own experience, would you just let me speculate why he chose those two to be so dynamic? After a fall and tears, confessing my shame and my sorrow on my knees, I can crawl closer to the throne closer and closer, begging God's forgiveness and receiving it with joy and relief. I, I love him so. At that point, I just love him so much. And I want to stay there in amazement, feeling his grace and, and willing to linger at the foot of the cross to get more of the cleansing blood that came from his wounded side and from his hands. And then suddenly you just feel like you're transported by grace to the very foot of the throne of God. And there you are. And right there is where you can hear the words. You can stay there and you can hear, Bev, do you love me? You know I do. And right there is the spot that you can get up and get back into the service again. So grateful. 
And I believe that's the way it was with Peter, don't you? And the way it was with David. It's my heart's desire never to fail him again. But when I do, he's going to use my sorrow. He'll use it. And my repentance as an opportunity to pour his grace once again on my bowed head. He's got a plan for me, you see. And he'll use everything I will offer him. He will even use my sin to bring me to fulfill his plan. So I get a little glimpse of David in my life and a little glimpse of Peter. <laughs> but wait, what if I could go back and I could have a do-over? What if I was able to do that? And the thing that we're so sorry for would have never happened. And those that were hurt in the backlash of your sin, because every time you sin, something just dies, just dies. Those that we hurt would not have to experience the pain that we caused them. And we could feel the relief of that. A do-over would fix everything that was broken. Well, what does a wash away do? It restores you. But the ones that were hurt by your sin still have to experience the pain of that. Am I making sense to you here as I say this? I hope I, hope I am. You can still remember with sorrow that your fall, your decisions, the choices that you made didn't just hurt you. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a church. Maybe it was your mama. What can you do about that? How can you deal with the fallout of that? Okay, so may I put you on the other side of the moment? Will you go with me here? What, it is, what if it is you that have been so broken by somebody else's sin? What have you been so hurt by somebody else? They're bad choices. They may have received grace, and they may have, forgotten, have gotten forgiveness, but what about the life-changing backlash of what someone may have done to you? How will God care for you as a person that has been wronged? Well, let me tell you this. God's got a plan for you. He absolutely does. For everybody in this room, there's a plan. He does not intend anything to mess that up. He designed grace. And if my heart is after his heart, nothing will stop my father from completing the plan in my life, no matter what somebody has done to me or hurt me. It's up to me that see God, to see that God has access to my heart. And if he does, the decisions and the disobedience of others and the craziness of this society, the filth and moral degeneration that we see out there, the falling away of our nation, maybe it's collapse. None of that's going to collapse God's will for me because I belong to him. Other people's actions will affect you, but nothing can prevent what God wants to do in you and through you. Do, do you believe that mere man can stop God from accomplishing his purpose on this earth? No. Case in point, Joshua and Caleb trusted God, didn't they? Weren't they brave? Didn't they come back with a good report? Didn't they say, we can do it, we can do it, let's go, let's go? But they were forced to wander in the wilderness. How long? Forty years. Because of somebody else's sin? Can't we look at that and say, well, that's, that's the way it's work. That's the way it works. Not by their own choice. But now, wait a minute. How did God work in that plan? Let's, let's see this. God did every single thing he intended to do in the life of Caleb and Joshua. His primary assignment for them was not to just enter the promised land, but rather to serve as godly leaders to a new generation that needed to be brought in. God had a plan. I'm going to start over with this group, and I need two leaders. 
So Joshua and Caleb couldn't have led them if God had allowed them to go on into the promised land while the people were still wandering in the wilderness. God kept them obedient and fearless in, in a position where they could exert a godly influence upon that nation. And as a result, they became models to us of spiritual leadership for generations and generations for you and me. And ultimately, God did bring Caleb and Joshua into the promised land, strong and mighty, just as he said. Here's the truth. They had been delayed, not thwarted. Okay? David is being delayed in the wilderness. Is he thwarted? No, he's not. God has a plan for him. As a matter of fact, Jesus calls him himself a son of David. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't that not be overwhelming? So God knew that David would walk a torturous road of ups and downs, but he would forever be a man after God's own heart. And David, like Peter, like Joshua, like Caleb, was a man God could use. So I'm asking you this morning, don't you want that for yourself? Don't you really? A heart after God. Okay, so I cannot have a do-over, Lord. I can't go back. But I have experienced this great wash away. I submit to you. Will you get this picture with me, little sisters? When we take our last breath of earth's air and we open our eyes in heaven, and there's someone there with their arms out, ready to embrace us, and Jesus says to us, well done, you good and faithful servant. You were always one who was after my heart. Could anything be more beautiful than that? Anybody here want that with me? Okay, so here's, here's how we're going to close this out. I want you to hear the Lord speak to you this morning, what he said to Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? And what was Peter's answer? He said, Lord, you know I do. Would you say that with me? Lord, you know I do. Say it one more time. Lord, you know I do. All right, would you bow your head for just a moment? And let's have a little bit of call response. I want you to hear the voice of God. Get, get by yourself. I know you've got somebody sitting next to you, but get by yourself here, just you and God. And hear God ask the question, and will you together give the answer? Daughter, do you love me? Lord, no, I do. Let me try it again. Come on. I want you to say it out loud to the Lord. Daughter, do you love me? Lord, then feed my sheep. Daughter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Lord, he says, finally, do you really, really love me? Then feed my lambs. You feel the commission to you? Is there a lamb in your life that needs to be fed? Just feel that. Let's pray together here. Father, listen, Holy Spirit, I, we need your help this morning. Father, I don't want this just to be another day and another time to hear and go on, but you've touched my heart as I planned this, and I pray that you'll touch the hearts of people here, that they will feel the commission, that they will know that you have something for them, just for them. You've planned it from the beginning of time, and now is their time to step up to the plate and say, Lord, I love you. You know I do. And understand that that commission to them is feed my sheep. Lord, we're in a nation that's dry and a nation that's filled with evil.
And you need your people to stand up and feed those that are hungry. So, Lord, would you put an anointing on each woman here and let them understand whatever is in their past. We don't need a do-over. We've got to wash away. And we have been cleansed, and we have been prepared. And even those things that hurt us are part of what's going to make us strong and what we're going to be able to do now. Because we can say, I have been there, and I have done that. And, oh, Lord, I want more of you. So please help us now. Will you do that? In the name of Jesus, I offer this prayer. Amen.